0: Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and chavuta, Yordana Asband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Yoma, Daf Nun Dalad, page fifty-four. So I am going to begin at the pre- at the very end of the previous daf of Nun Gimel. Really, I want to talk about this ongoing discussion that that Yordana, you really talked about it previously about the Aron, the Ark, and whether it was you know there's this discussion of whether it was in fact buried. And then, you know, Yoshiao found it, King Yoshiao found it. Or was it exiled to Babylonia, in which case that's a really different narrative about what happened to the Aaron. And it is in fact contradictory, meaning there's a very strong bent in, I guess in Torah learners, in Gemara learners of kind of reconciling anything that might be proved contradictory because it smooths out the edges, right? We don't want to have contradictory narratives. But there's no way for this I mean the Gemara itself makes it clear that there's no way for the Aaron to be both buried and also, lo and behold, exiled to Babylonia. So in the on the bottom of the previous staff, Rachel, is Nignaz. the Aaron was buried in his place because there's a verse that says so it says the ends of the staves these were the sticks somehow that supported the Aaron um, were seen from the holy place beyond or before before the partition Um, and they could not be seen from without and they are there, Ad hayomaze until this very day. Now this expression, Ad hayomaze is going to get more attention from us shortly, but this verse is from Malachim, Sefer Malachim, the Book of Kings, 1, 1 Kings, Chapter 8. And the idea here is that this is a discussion about the Aaron in the context of the building of the Mikdash. and the very fact that it has this phrase of Ad hayomaze, this expression of to this day, carries the implication, at least in the in this context of Ever. the forever meaning no matter when you read this verse you're going to say Adiyamaze. so if you read it today meaning this day you know whenever it is that you're listening to this podcast that means until this day but if you were to to read that same verse five years from now it would be until this day or if you read it 200 years ago it would also be to this day meaning forever means forever um which means that the Aaron would be hidden in its place it's buried but then the gemara comes and comments and says one second what about Ulah's opinion? The um, Amar Ula Rabbi 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 says uh, in Rome, meaning that's where they were in Rome. And they said, you know, what happened? Where how could it be that the Ark was exiled to Babylonia? And the answer is that there's and this was he did it this twice. are Rabbi Rabbi taught it twice from two different verses that the Aaron was moved to Babylonia. And the idea then is that you you have biblical text to support both views. Uh, let's just finish this off to get to put the all our ducks in a row. So the first verse is um and uh, it says, and it was brought with, it was, they brought with them, no, they brought him, meaning it, to Babylonia with all of the vessels of the house of Hashem. Um, so that's the first verse. And then that, inclu- that suggests that the Aaron traveled to Babylonia. So the next verse is a little more poetic and elliptical. Uh, it says, you know, the, what is gone, it has left from Bat Zion, from the daughter of Zion, of Zion, but again, it doesn't mean a person, it means the place, kol hadara, all of her splendor, this is from Echa, the book of Lamentations that we read on Tisha B'Av, chapter 1, verse 6, meaning to say that all of the splendor has left her, her being, if you recall, the book of Echa, it means the city of Jerusalem, all of her splendor has left her, the implication is, of course, um, that this is the the Aron. Um, um, my my Kol hadara, What is all of her splendor, Abadim. This is her chamber had left Yerushalayim. Presumably, this is going again to Bavel. And then, Rabbi Shimshon what do you say about that? And he says, this is what he, Amar Lo, he answers back, he says, the Aaron is buried in his place, meaning not exiled, namely, that the staves, these sticks, were so long. That's what it says, they were long, so that the ends of the staves were seen from, again, the same verse from Malachim from beyond the partition until this very day. So, we have here a... Uh, you know, they're kind of sticking to their guns. They each have biblical verses to support the idea that either it was exiled to Babylonia or, in fact, it was buried. And then the Gemara goes on, meaning and now, of course, I'm on our daft today. I've been here for a little while. Amr le Rabba le Ula. So Rabba then says to Ula, Ula is the one who says it was exiled to Babylonia. Um, or he's asking that question. My mashma. Right? What's What do we learn from the idea that it was buried in its place? T'chitiv v'yusham ad ha-yom So U says, well, it says, it's there till this very day. V'chol heche t'chitiv ad ha hu. So he says, does it always mean forever? Anytime you see this phrase, ad ha will that always mean forever? V'haktiv v'et ha-yivusi yoshev Yerushalayim lo ha-orishu b'nei b'nyamin v'yoshhev ha-yivusi et b'nei b'nyamin b'yirushalayim there's a whole narrative here from the book of Shoftim where the Bnei Benjamin, the tribe of Binyamin, were not able or they did not drive out the Yevusi, the Jebusites, who at that time were living in the city, which I imagine is more like a village of Jerusalem at the time, right? And they dwelt there. The Yevusi stayed in Jerusalem at the same time that the Bnei Binyamin were also in Jerusalem. And it says, in Shoftim, in that context, to this very day but we know that that's not quite true, right? So the question is like, is that also the case that the Yavusi were never kicked out of Jerusalem? Except for that they were later. They just weren't at that time. So then how can that mean forever? Vahatanya doesn't learn. Rabbi Yehuda says, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, chamishim ushtayim shana lo avarish So this is a very sad comment. Rabbi Yehuda says that nobody, no person passed through the whole of Judea for fifty-two years after the destruction of the of Bayit Rishon, of the first temple, that's the destruction by Nivukhetnazar of Bavel, Shneamar al Harim Esa bechi b'chi, Sorry, Bachi v'nehi al Naot mid Barkina. Mibli ish over velosha mukol Mikanema Ofa olfa shemayim nadudu halchu. So it's a, this is a verse from Yermiao from the book of Jeremiah. He's really our lamenter, right? He's really, he's the prophet who who's prophesying for the destruction of the temple. And then he lives through it. And it's just a very, very sad story. And he is, you know, in the Gemara, we'll get there in Batra. it's described that he is the author of, of Echa. So it says, I will raise the crying and the wailing from the mountains. And it will be a lament for the pastors of the wilderness because they have been, burn with no person passing through and they not hear the sound of the cattle or from the birds in the heavens or the animals every all of them have fled and gone Uh, right that everything is just gone from this area so this is really the land being bereft this is the destruction of the temple this is also where like this is the whole point the iron is no longer there it Rishon was destroyed. The first temple was destroyed and the Aaron has gone missing. And so then the question is, you know, was it buried or was it exiled? But either way, it, you know, I feel like when we learn this daf at this kind of remove, I feel like I've been tripping through the daf. Hello, you know, I'm learning the material and comparing the notes and so on. And, and that's it, right? But it's not, this is a very sad, very powerful absence. And this question, I think for a Chazal, when they're saying, what has happened to the aron i feel it was a much more um dramatic and you know vibrant kind of question or or i don't know morbid sad kind of question that was very alive for them is what i'm trying to say as opposed to what i've done in my preparation here which is much more um i'm holding the text at arm's length not intentionally just i think that it's not the same kind of thing where i'm trying to figure out but, but where could it possibly be and i think that this is the the question that as they're talking about these psukim, I don't know if they were really fighting, you know. But it seems like you could really get into it and say, "But how can this verse mean that it was buried? But how can this verse mean that it was exiled?" Um, because really, they're trying to figure what's going on. Because again, here it says that they were not in the land, no nothing, nobody, no animals, no birds. Or in the land for fifty-two years. Why fifty-two years? If you look, it says that there's there was no behema in the land for fifty-two years, and if you do the math of the gematria, right, which describes, um, I don't know if we've talked about gematria at all. That each Hebrew letter has a numerical value. I mean that is true. Each Hebrew letter does have a numerical value. If you add them all up, if you treat it as a math problem, so bet is two and hey is five and mem is 40 and the other hey is five and you come to 52 um so then the, the behemoth was not there it means that for 52 years they were not there okay now um i'm almost done or dana get ready because so i'm gonna hand it off I'm, to you. I'm, I'm
1: getting ready i'm getting ready
0: <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what happens is we end up with I, again, I think that it becomes very poignant and very sad. It says for seven years, Rabbiosi says for seven years, there is this like curse of brimstone and salt. Now, I don't know. I've got notes and pretty pictures in my Gemara um, that show brimstone, which I think to be of fire and brimstone. That is what it is. It's sulfur, right? Meaning it's the kind of thing that destroys the land. And if you're talking about a land that has salt and brimstone in it or throughout it, it means that it is uninhabitable. So why does he say this? this is We have two, uh, we are going to draw a comparison from one use of the word Brit, covenant, to another use of the word Brit, namely covenant. So, uh, so, the first one is in the book of Daniel, and the second one is in the book of Devarim, right? So, one is really Ketuvim and one is chumish. But the point is that, well, really what we're talking about is the comparison between the covenant, but this is exactly the verses that are going to teach us, really, that the Yevusi, that the Jebusites, were eventually exiled from Jerusalem, meaning that Arheomazah, can't mean it doesn't have to mean forever that there can be a use of it that does not mean forever and so this is where we come back to ula where he says you know sham, <laughs> This is, they were here not they were there right it has to be that they're talking about here not there i feel like sesame street um here with regard to the Aaron, right it says they are there where's there when they're talking about the Yevusi, it doesn't say that. So um, the freezing, phrasing, is the Aaron, And the statement for the Yevusi is just, it doesn't have the sham. It doesn't have the placement. So then you can say, see, the Aaron must be there. It must have been buried there. And this is exactly the question. But then the Gemara has another question and we've got more back and forth. And I'm not, I'm going to skip a little bit here. Um, Mostly in the interest of time, I do think it's all interesting. Um, um So, but the the Gemara quotes on one more pasuk, which says basically that these people, bnei shim own halchulah har seira anashim chameish meuto uplatein b'narev rafah veuziel bnei yishim rosham yaku et sheri to platein amalek v'yashmu sham adhiomazeh. We have another place in Chronicles in the book of Devarim. Where it does say, and again, it's talking about the wars. It's talking about the, it's talking about the fighting for the land. But it says, Sham, that they dwelt there till this very day." And again, the point is going to be that that's not exactly accurate. Um, where the Gemara says one second, Sancheirav, right? Ukvar Allah Sancheirav, the king of Assyria who came and exiled the ten tribes and everything in the the time of Fizkiyamelach. So he really did a number on on everybody, right? What the Assyrians would do is that they would exile one people to one place and they would exile another people to that place where those first people had come from. Meaning it wasn't an even swap. It was that they just mixed up everybody. So, And then it becomes much harder to rebel and claim your homeland if you have been exiled in a mishmash of all kinds of other people to a new place. so what happens is he says the the verse here is from yeshayahu which is the same time as kisgamal it says i've removed all the bound the the bindings of the people i've robbed all their treasures meaning are exiled. they weren't there there at and so the Gemara says so meaning we've refuted ula's claim that it has to be that because means forever, that the Aaron would mean that it would be buried. Okay, so where this leaves us is with a mystery, right? I mean, we still don't know where the Aaron is. If we did know where the Aaron was, it, it wouldn't be like, it's an ongoing mystery forever, as far as I know. We don't have any information about this. But the discussion here between between Chachamim and trying to figure it out um, I think carries its own poignancy. I do think that they would like to know.
1: I, I agree with you that they want to know. And I'm not going to dwell too much on discussing it because I think the Gemara sort of speaks for itself. And I want to read a whole other chunk. I, I, when you and I were prepping it, we said this is a very poetic fact. And so after going through something, I think that's really a very painful piece of who we are as a people now, that the own is is no longer with us and we don't even know where it is. And there's you know different opinions about where it could be. The Gemara then sort of moves on to something very beautiful, which is really to discuss sort of the love between Hashem and Bnei Yisrael as symbolized in the Kaddish Kedoshim. Amarav Katina, so what Katina says, Bishashayu Yisrael olim l'regom. Bnei Yisrael would come up, right, three times a year on Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot to be Ola Larego. Megololim lahem etzap harochat Kohanim would roll the curtain up for them. Umarin lahem etzak shayum and they would see the Kruvim, right, you know, the two sort of, I guess, figures, right, that are on top of the Aaron that sort of were embracing each other. And they would let everybody see it. But Omrin Lahan and the Kohanim would say to the people, right, see your fondness before the before the makom and i think it's interesting they use the word makom because they're in the place of god so they're using the word for place right it's like the fondness of a male and a female and so in a way what they're doing is they're trying to show b'nei israel right when they come up to be a little regal this is sort of the physical embodiment of the love that's shared between uh you know god and his people so now they ask the obvious question, which is Matthew Rav So Rav Chitza challenges this. And he quotes here um, a pasuk from Bamidbar chapter 4, verse 20, that says, Right? The Levian cannot even come in and look at the holy. The Levian weren't allowed to look at anything that was in the Kaddish Kedoshim. So I'm a Rav Yehuda, I'm a Rav. And Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, So this, this Isur, this prohibition, is when they would put the vessels, right, when they had to travel, into their containers themselves. So what we're saying is is when the levium even had to move the came around, they weren't allowed to look at them. How could it be that B'nai Yisrael were ever allowed to see the Krubin themselves? I'm a Nachman, and again, I think, I know you named yesterday's Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I think today's podcast episode could also be named Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? I'm a Rav Nachman. Rav so, Nachman says no. This didn't apply during the temple when the Beit HaMikdash stood. And it says, Right? This is like a bride. Every time she's in her father's house, right? In other words, remember that the marriage used to be split. And the Kedushin was done, but she would still go live with her father. And then Eruzim was done, and then she would live with her husband. She's modest before her husband. Yeah. But once she goes to her father's in-law's house, meaning once she's fully married, she's no longer Sanua, right? So the idea is basically meaning that when B'nai Saral are in the midbar, right, they were not familiar, at they weren't settled yet their trouble. Once the temple is built, it's now like they're fully married to God, and they were allowed to see the Kravim. And so that Isur of not seeing the Kravim didn't apply anymore. The Gemara is going to challenge this and say, Mati of Chana Kitina, Right, so uh, they're gonna now and notice again that it's an, it's Rav Katin again. So then they they recall that incident that we had before, right? That started off this whole discussion that there was uh, Cohen uh, accidentally figured out where the iron was and he was killed right away. So it means you're not supposed to look at it. That's why he was killed. Amar so Rav Nachman says nekreshab ka amar. You're speaking of something that happened during this, the second temple period, or basically saying the time when a wife was divorced. That's what they mean here. So it's during Bai Harishona. right? It's like a wife who was divorced and goes back to her first marriage, right? And she still has to be a little bit more modest. So during Bai right? Even though, you know, we sort of couldn't fully look at the Kruvim anymore. Right. But then the Gemara is going to ask, wait, but my asking, what are we talking about? E name If we say it's the first temple, there was no curtain there. Right. We know that there was no curtain. We know that there was actually a wall. But if we say it was there were no there. We know that there was no there. So, again, part of what they're doing here is they have all these different statements and they're trying to be very accurate over what could this have taken place during by Rishon? Could this have been during by Cheney? And they're basically saying it couldn't be during either because Parochet is by Cheney, but there's no, the Aaron is only by Rishon. The Kruvim are only Bayit Rishon. Olamba Mikdash Rishon. They're talking about uh, the first page of Mikdash. Umay Parochat. What do they mean when Rav Katina says that they rolled up the curtain? Parochet Zivavi. They rolled up the curtains of the entrances, right? Of all the entrances of the Ulam, the Heichal, and the Kadesh Kadoshim. To Amr Ravizera Rav, because Ravizera said in the name of Rav, Shlisha Sar Parochot There were thirteen curtains, right? And this was in the second temple we're talking about here, right? Shiva Keneged Shivas She'arim, seven that were opposite the seven gates of the courtyard. Shtaim Achad Lefitz Kol Shaleichal, Achad Lefitz Shaulam. Two, one was for the entrance of the of the the sanctuary, one was for the ulam, right? Shtaim B'Dvir Shteim Kenegzam Ba'Alia. Two in the inner sanctum, right, the innermost part, and two parallel to them on the upper floor. So that's how you get to six. So what we're saying is just as the second temple was covered with curtains, it had to be that there were some curtains in the first temple. So there must that's, the, that's what he must have been talking about. Now, again, it doesn't totally make sense because you still had the wall there. So I don't think it's a great answer. So now they're going to give a different explanation. No, we're talking about the second Beit HaMikdash. There were images of Kruvim uh, <clears throat> that, were, that were on the wall. On the walls of the Kaddish Kedoshim, they actually had pictures of the Kruvim. They were sort of like engraved on it. And that's what they were showing them a picture of, not the actual Kruvim that were on the Aaron itself. So they quote here a pasuk uh, they're quoting here a pasuk that I believe comes from uh, from uh, Malachim, it comes from Malachim Aleph, right, and it's saying that all the walls of the temple were surrounded by designs, um, and engraved in it were figures of of croven palm trees and blossoming flowers, so that was part of the design, right, and he overlaid them with gold, which was flattened over the engraved designs, and Bimar And it was written later as the joining of a man accompanied. So that's a description of one of the um of one of the uh engravings that was on the wall, and that's in Malachim Ali, chapter seven, verse 36. So the question is, my Bimar Ishit Viluyot, right? What does it mean? The joining of a man accompanied. Um so a rabbi So says it means the Kruvim, right? That's what it's referring to. It says a man who is joined, uh With his uh, so with his uh, companion, Um, so I think this is a very you know it it starts off very beautifully. That I think this is teaching us something about the purpose of the Beit Hamikdash. That when we had this Ola Laregel, right, um, that part of it was to show sort of a physical manifestation. It was by using it in pictures to physically show the love that God had uh, for His people. I am somewhat surprised by this because we also know that there's such a thing about sort of like not having images or things like that. Um, But yet, you know, we're sort of seeing that like we were allowed to see something that was representative of uh, physically representative of the relationship between God and B'nai Israel. I think the image is supposed to evoke an emotional feeling. It's not depicting God, but it's supposed to emote something. And that I thought was uh, was very interesting.
0: I think the whole thing is beautiful. I mean, I think that the juxtaposition between this first bit, which is kind of this loss, and then the second part, which is really the coming close together again—not again—I don't mean it as a chronological thing—but um, the the daf itself kind of brings us to a a point of hope, a point of of intimacy in a in a beautiful way.
1: Absolutely, it does. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rink us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Robinette Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and what I really would describe as a rather poignant DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.